cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Well, don't pay Saxon Jacks after my homage. Matt Weber on the board. SB Futures down 82. SA Futures down 296. Uh, Dow down more than 500. Uh, the little rally yesterday was uh, brief. And if we were still on the trading floor and not so politically correct, you might say that was a sucker's rally. Yeah. A little. Uh, I don't know. We came a little long this morning. I was kind of hoping for day two, but uh, it ain't happening. It doesn't appear. Lou, how are you, bud? I'm uh, I'm good. Uh, good morning from the uh, from the home of of one of two cities where uh, hockey is still being professional hockey is still being played in the U.S. You guys are uh, uh, what? It's, it's Colorado versus uh, Tampa. Tampa. Right? Tampa's going yeah, for well, the three peat. Yeah. So uh, we're up. Uh, we're up one zero. We won last night. So we'll. We'll have to see what happens. I still cannot. I mean, of course, one of the hockey bluffs the other night was telling me that I was totally wrong on the. I don't see how that goal against the Rangers was a goal. I don't I mean I. But anyway, that's what they they reviewed it and said it was. Okay. I don't know if you guys saw the play. The, the, I did not see that. The guy. I'm not sure I saw that one either. Well, the guy was it was a winning goal. The guy comes in and he and he flips a shot and the goalie kind of catches it. In the in the glove, but not cleanly. So he's kind of fumbling it. But the guy sweeps by, kind of in the blue a little bit, and just as the glove, the the puck was kind of leaving the mitt, he kind of bangs into the goalie, goalie's arm, and it goes into the net. But he he was his skate was in the blue, and he banged into the guy with his body. I don't know, I, I don't know how that's a goal, but I guess it is. I mean, everybody else thought it was. I I thought you couldn't do that, but I mean, it wasn't intentional. But it essentially the the hit of him banging into the goalie's arm is what sent it in the uh, in the net. Well, it, it from our perspective out here and our perspective, I'm 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 sort of an Avalanche fan because uh, I like uh, I like the ownership. But um, from the perspective of people here, what what's interesting is that uh, Colorado now has the uh, the national champion in hockey for colleges, and that's Denver. Denver University, really, and yeah, and then and then um, you know this the, the uh, professional team is doing fantastic, and then down in Colorado Springs there are two really good collegiate hockey programs, Air Force, which regularly you know I, you know I think this is, this is a function of coaching regularly puts a team up that gets within a game or two of the Frozen Four. Uh, in uh, collegiate hockey and Colorado College, which has had a long tradition of superb uh, hockey programs and, and plays at a very high level as well, and so the you know with, for a state with really not a much of a tradition of uh, of, of ice hockey, uh, all of a sudden Colorado is starting to produce some some pretty good teams, and more importantly, its youth hockey programs are starting to produce. Um, it, when when they renovated Lowry Air Force Base, which is uh, right next to where I live out here, um, they were very careful 
to leave up one of the old maintenance hangers. You know, they used to they used to maintain, I mean, really big airplanes here. So they had a couple of gigantic hangers, and they left one of them up, and uh, you know, used public money to refurbish the thing into an ice arena. And and it, it's noteworthy because, you know, like a lot of other places, you can drive by that facility pretty much any hour. You can. I've been by there at two or three in the morning, and there are there are cars, lots of cars in the parking lot. Because ice time is is something you you, know, you covet, and so you've got youth and uh, and adult league teams playing there at two three in the morning, you know, to get ice to get ice time or to practice. So so it, it's it's interesting to see that you know that kind of a of a tradition develop. Obviously, I grew up in in Canada in Minneapolis, where where hockey was high school hockey was huge, but uh, it, it's expanding. Quickly here, and uh, and the and the pro and collegiate ranks are are sort of, you know providing useful guideposts for uh, for the youth program. Well, Lou, you guys are uh, well one percenters. That's those are the only people who can play hockey when they're kids. Uh, you know that, that's a that's an excellent point. Except that, um, you know, in, in Minneapolis, it's it wasn't that way. You found you found lots of blue collar blue collar families. Paying, paying the way for, for kids to you know with the equipment and the travel and everything else and and there's enough there's enough community support for those kinds of programs in Minnesota that even the relatively as I could as I would say blue collar towns like your Iron Range towns up north they they support their hockey programs and any kid that wanted to play could play well I think that's probably well it is true up there obviously but here I mean it's all just <coughs> There's a few high schools that have a program, but if, if you're in, it's the parents taking you around at age four and five and paying for the ice time and buying the skates, and it's a it's a big dough deal. I mean, oh, I, oh, I know, I know. It, it, it's it's well, it, and this is a discussion. You know, it, it's interesting that, that that you would mention that because this was the same discussion that you saw in baseball. I don't know if I've seen it recently, but you know, four or five years ago, that that baseball was becoming a two much of a white sport in the United States because African American kids simply couldn't afford the, the coaching and the youth training programs that their their white counterparts could could uh, afford or their parents could afford to you know the, the camps the batting schools the pitching schools and all that um, I mean there are a couple of it, it, I, I don't know if that trend has continued oh absolutely but, it's, it's worse but than it's, that it's a I mean, everybody, uh, <clears throat> Tom Shanahan is, well, his kids are long past graduating college, but he said Glen Ellen used to have one of the best little leagues around. And then somebody got a traveling team, and uh, which is a bunch of dough, and they actually had a pretty good traveling team because they had a pretty good little league. And then all of a sudden they got like four or five traveling teams, and the little league is decimated. Because these, plus the traveling teams all sucked. <laughs> they were terrible. Yeah. I mean, they might have had enough kids for one. They sure as hell didn't need four or five. There's big dough in those things. Yeah, it, it, so I, I look at the, I look at the rise of, of certain, you know, what we, what we might call suburban sports. Hockey is almost certainly one of them. Lacrosse, which, interestingly enough, in Canada, is the summer version of hockey. Oh yeah, yeah. So you you switch when when I was coaching lacrosse in um, 
in in Virginia and and uh, in uh, Chicago. You know, we would we would play occasionally. A Canadian travel team would come down, and they were all hockey players. Lacrosse was just their was just their their summer sport, and they switched back they switched back and forth, and and so we saw similar. We saw similar kinds of, of stuff here. Uh, lacrosse is very much a suburban, you know, a suburban sport. Um, well, uh, and, yet, and I used to yeah. say the same thing about soccer, but you know, the, the short answer is that that the best soccer players, I, I think, tend to come out of blue collar areas in in Europe and and Brazil with with kids that learn how to manipulate the ball with their feet up until the time that they're age ten or or uh, so, and then they get snapped up by by FIFA leagues who, who, you know, funnel them into professional coaching. Well, we the, still, the issue here... We always, still haven't done that. We, we seem to have gotten a deal here, I mean, not, not everywhere, but my nephews and niece all played soccer. Actually, they still play. But everything everything was formal. It, it was it was nothing like... I mean, we, if we spent... If we played Little League Baseball, which we did, I'm going to say one-tenth of our baseball for the week was played in the Little League. We were at the park all the time. Same for me too. Yeah, it was we were at the park all the time. We played pickup baseball every day in the summer. Yeah, I mean, I never see these kids. It's not like if you go to the uh, South Side, if you go on Saturday morning, like Beverly Park is all you know. It's it's just soccer fields all over the damn place. But if you if you go in the afternoon, it's it's not like there's a spot where every afternoon twenty five kids show up and play. They they only play it seems when when it's organized. Which is in this, but I will say in the Hispanic neighborhoods in the city, they will play pickup. Oh, soccer. without a doubt, yeah. oh, totally different. They'll play pickup soccer at at the family barbecue. Yep. They'll play on the lakefront. Yep. They'll play three on three. They'll make their own goal if they have to, and yep. they play all the time. But you're right, yeah. The the uh, uh, other kids, uh, unless it's formal, they don't play at all. It's, it seems anyway. Well, our buddy, uh, you know, our, our attorney friend, two doors down from where he used to live, Mitty, uh, his three daughters have mar- married three dudes that have some dough. And I think two of them played at least junior hockey, and are really, really into it. And I think they're still playing, even though they're you know they're forty-ish. And the kids—they all have <laughs> the three daughters, all have four kids. They're all into hockey. Even the girls are playing hockey when they're four. And Bill says watching these little girls play hockey is the most hilarious thing he's ever seen. But and he goes, some of them are pretty good actually <laughs> on their skates. He goes, but I want to say that I can't even imagine what the family tab is. For the guy with four kids playing hockey in like four or five different leagues, summer, winter, you name it, all year round, the equipment. Well, it's it's comparable. It's comparable to uh, lacrosse or or something like that, where you've got all that you've got all that equipment. You've got the stick. It it really is a, a th- th- this is an interesting discussion, and I would love to I would love to get on with some. Yeah, we got to get on some of this market really stuff this yeah. about what happens yeah. with youth sports in the United States. And, and for example, why we don't, why we, we're not, we don't produce with our population base and the number of kids we have playing soccer, why we have not produced more than what, maybe five or six guys who can play at the international level? A lot of women. And, and, a lot of women. And, well, but the women's game, the women's game is completely different. And, and it is, you know, our, our women benefit from the fact that, that a lot of the best soccer Comes out of cultures where they don't they don't promote female sports participation. Well, that's true. Um, yeah. We we do we do as a matter of you know a matter of Title Nine, and that's one of the that's one of the great success stories of of sort of American jurisprudence is is the success of, of Title Nine, and and it's 
the, the, the stupidity of, of our modern, uh, you know, current educational establishment people who are pushing Title IX to, to require the participation of, of trans athletes that's, in, the, that's in crazy. women's sports. We it, all know it's gonna, crazy. It's gonna kill them. Yeah. If I were, if I were, you know, a female, uh, sports fanatic, I would be, I, you know, who, or, or I was just a dad with daughters who had had girls watch girls come up in in uh, intercollegiate sports and and watch the success of those programs to suddenly see the the input or or the insertion of biological males into women's programs and watch the the immediate displacement of those athletes that occurs uh, is a I, I would be furious and and this is why you're seeing. You know some some very well spoken and very uh, well known uh, female Olympians, uh, especially in swimming and, and some of the endurance sports, who are starting to step up and say, "Look, Title IX was not was not meant to to handle this kind of a you know this kind of a push, and and to the extent that we are allowing biological males to compete as women in these events, uh, it, it the the statute is is you know." being completely transformed from its original purpose. I don't think anybody... Well, I won't say that, because obviously some people do. I, how does anybody think that that's remotely normal or right or something? It's, it's crazy. You you should you should see the commentary or read the commentary that was coming out when this, this Leah Thomas situation was developing and, and the kind of verbal double-jointedness that people were engaging in Especially in the leadership groups, especially at the NC2A level, especially at the U.S. swimming level, in, in an effort because because they were terrified of being dragged on Twitter or in social media by by the, the trans activists. But but the, the things they were they were saying to to try to avoid having to exclude this this young person from basically effectively a young man biologically uh, to, to effectively exclude. Him from these from these events. Nobody wanted to be the person who was going to stand up and say, "Listen, this is not fair. It it it's not the same competition. There's a reason we have men's and women's categories." And and uh, at least a couple of people. Again, I, I'm thinking Nancy Hogshead and a couple of other former Olympians. You know, stood up and or, or, and made the comment. This. Damages all the all the good we did from Title IX since 1973 or whenever it was passed, 72. All the good that we did with that statute, it's all going to come to naught if we are not willing to to state the obvious that that people who go through puberty as males and then transition to females with all that muscle mass and and uh, Oxygen capability within their, uh, you know, within their their circulatory system. All of those people are are not, you know, it's not fair having them compete in women's events. Um, Nobody a, wanted to say that. It's a horrible question, but these people that are competing, uh, have they been? Oh God, have they been, have they been fixed? Or are they are they actually still guys? Thomas Thomas had not been fixed. Thomas had not had the surgery. He had just taken some drugs. That, that that supposedly that, uh, neutered or or removed his or lowered his testosterone levels, but he still had the same 
effective muscle mass I, this and, is, this is crazy. And, and stature of a, of a male. I mean, there's, there, has, there have to be, I remember when I was a kid, the Catholic League, the, the basketball, they had lights in the heavies. If you're over 5'9", well, you, if, you're, if you were good enough, you could play on any team, but if you were under 5'9", they had a team just for you guys. So can, you can imagine today somebody whining about some guy's 5'9 and a half and he deserves to play with the guys under 5'9"? People whine about everything. Well, I mean, it's. I, mean, I, I just, I think it, it it's an interesting development, and it's it really is part of the. I mean, it's part of an ongoing an ongoing discussion that that needs needs to happen, with respect to what are we you know what are, if we're going to define these kinds of boundaries, in in any meaningful way, we have to be able to describe. Or, or at least define what is male and what is female for purposes of these of these competitions. Lou, we can't say so no to we can't say no to anybody, no matter what it is. We can't we can't say no to a felon not being back out shooting somebody else. We we can't say no to kids that are causing trouble. We can't we can't. This is the world we're in now. There's there's no thing where you say you can't do that, and if you do, I'm going to smack you upside the head. There's 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 nothing like that anywhere in society. Whatever it is, somebody feels they want to do it, it's their right, and they get 50 other people on Twitter to support them, and all of a sudden you can do whatever you damn well please. And you know what? Well, it's just not working. No, it's not working, and, and I think I think the the um, sort of the, the erosion of, of the kind of standards that you're talking about, um, and, and especially in this in this sort of era where you could generate a viral social media mob that, that gets on Twitter and, and rages in a in a you know, very public forum. Uh, pe- people are terrified of that. Corporations are terrified of that. Well, they, That's why you see corporations taking on, uh, taking what I, I believe are just ridiculous stances. Um, the, 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 the classic was the, you know, the uh, the Major League Baseball uh, All Star Game issue. Yeah. With with uh, you know with them pulling the All Star Game out of out of Atlanta in response to a voter registration bill that actually in in many ways was less restrictive than voter registration and requirements in the state that they moved the All-Star game to. Well, yeah, we don't, uh, we don't expect anybody to read read the fine print. But they just got it last week, and I didn't read the full details. One of the listeners sent it to me. They had some guy in a, some van with a rifle did a carjacking or some, some stupid thing. So they arrest the guy. They let him out. The next week, they arrest him again. Same van, same rifle. The guy's, he's got a rap sheet. And meanwhile, there's a uh, a lawyer organization. Not that people shouldn't get uh, legal representation; they absolutely should. That's America. They're coming out and saying, "No, the guy shouldn't even be in jail. He's trying to turn his life around." Jesus Christ! Two weeks in a row, the guy's messing with somebody with a rifle. What are we talking about? Is there is there a view of the world different than mine? I, I, you know, I know I'm getting. Uh, it, it really, it really is. I, I, th- this is one of Scott Adams' favorite comments: is, is that you know everybody reality is like a movie and we we watch the movie but it's quite apparent from reactions and opinions that some people are watching a completely different movie than than other people i I mean i mean chief how many how many times have you seen some kid who gets shot by the cops you know some some guy some kid under 18 shot by the cops oh he was a good boy he was a he was a, a you know he was turning his life around he yeah. was getting better and you, you you see the families come out and say this or, or his his neighborhood come out and say this 
and then and then the the police appear and and the kids got like thirty arrests. Yeah. You know, are, you know, strong arming, uh, strong arming, uh, schoolmates and, and, you know, gun possession and, and, you know, drug sales and the whole bit. And, and you look at him and go, this was a good kid. Yeah. It was what's your, a, what's I mean, your point of reference? Well, it's, 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 it's sort of like, uh, I'll flip it back. It's sort of like the MR, NRA defining who, who's incapable of getting a gun. What is it? 12, 12 felons and, and an IQ of five or in their, in their mind? I mean, <laughs> no. I, I'll tell you what the NRA and, and I, you know the NRA has much less influence now than it than it did twenty years ago. Its membership is dropping rapidly, and so are its its revenues. And it it spends less on lobbying than than almost any other major easily recognized lobbying group right now because of its its lousy funding uh, situation. But but the NRA's position is a lot like you know gun rights for the for the conservatives are a lot like abortion rights for the progressives any yeah. limitation is seen as the first step on a slippery slope oh so, and, and you know so what in that regard there's no question there's no question that that the most zealous gun control the zealous gun control advocates want a complete abolition of private possession of firearms just like on the abortion side the the abortion zealots want a complete ban on abortion yeah and so you know, each the, the the people on the other side of those questions look at the zealots and say, "If I give you an inch, that's one more step toward the mile of total ban that you guys are looking for." Well, the guys on the on the one side, on the gun side, uh, second half hour, we got to talk about this market and stuff here. Louis, crazy. Uh, a on the gun on the gun zealot side, anti gun zealot side, I I think that that comes down to. All we hear about is is people's right to carry a gun, and I don't, you know, I guess I don't know. I see the Second Amendment; I can read. Uh, but also, most people think they have a right to not get shot, which is maybe a little stronger than somebody else's right to carry a gun. And, you know, and, I, and it's hard to argue that with those people. I mean, I mean, I, look, if there was no guns, I can walk down the street and nobody can shoot me. That that that's a that's a very tough argument to refute. If, it is. If there were no cars, yeah. you could walk in the streets and nobody would. Well, run I understand you over. that, but uh, there's a slight difference there. I think, but I'm not, I'm not on that side. I'm just saying I understand why they feel that way. I mean, the idea that I could, if I if I'm late downtown and walk to my car and see all kinds of people wandering by and cars wandering by and uh, you know and, and belching marijuana smoke out of the car, I just feel that there's probably two guns in every one of those cars, and it, and it bothers a living bleep out of me, honestly. I agree. Oh no! I uh, for, now for that problem, I agree with you. I, uh, I I can't believe that this. Even though we know some people that have made good money in the marijuana business, I can't believe that 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 I drive down the highway and my window open and my air conditioning is not so hot in my truck. All, all I smell is marijuana. Is, is everybody on the road with me stoned? And, then, and when you see guys going by at 100 miles an hour, it's bad enough. But if they're smoking at the same last week, Lou, I'm driving to Stevenson. They got this blacked out car in front of me. You can only imagine you know, who the hell's inside and how many guns. They got a moonroof, and the smoke's coming out of the moonroof like if it's, an, if it's a western movie and the Indians are doing smoke signals. Every time somebody had a big puff, the, the smoke popped out of the, out of the moonroof. <laughs> it, it's, um, it's a huge issue here for in Colorado. For example, there's a, there's a concert venue um, up in Morrison, outside of Denver, called Red Rocks. 
and it is a gorgeous venue. It's a it's an outdoor red sandstone, high rocks around it, and they built a concert stage. It was beautiful. It's a lovely, lovely spot. But if you go there for a show, if you don't like the smell of marijuana, you're in the wrong place. And and I, I just remember thinking to myself last time I was there, I just thought to bring a giant cigar and light it up and blow cigar smoke at people and watch how fast somebody would would call the authorities to say you can't you can't smoke here. We got to do a cigarette. Do a cigarette. Yeah. Wait a minute. There's a lot of smoke here. It's just not tobacco smoke. So so you know enforce enforce the rule that that there's not supposed to, you're not supposed to smoke outside. I I, I don't. I agree with you. It's it's a huge it's a huge issue. And of course, the funny thing is, here and and I'm sure in other places, the illegal you know illegal drug market for dope has not has not decreased. Oh, not at all. It it it's still running strong. Well, you know what's what's even more part of the illegal drug market is people who buy the medical stuff and sell it. Oh yeah. I mean, who who would have thought? I mean, I know states want revenue. I can't believe that like prostitution and everything else isn't legal because they need the money. That they can justify anything by leave, leave, need the money. I mean, if you get, I mean, hopefully you're not in any drugs, but someday, if you get, if you uh, get on something, and you say it's a blood thinner or whatever it is, I mean, they're going to say, here, Lou, here's a prescription. Well, you know, we write, nobody writes prescription anymore. They, they call the, they're going to give you a month's supply. You're going to get thirty pills, right? You're, you're not going to get a, a, a piece of. A document that allows you to go to every every place in town and buy and buy blood thinner. Not not that you want to, but a medical marijuana certificate is just that. You can go buy stuff every day. And it's 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 interesting, isn't it, that we don't do for medical marijuana what we do for say you know uh, painkillers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, so where, they, where if you go in to buy painkillers at a at a store, um, they'll look you up. In the drug registry, it's like our like that NFL case. You know, but you're also going to get one you, pill a day or two pills yeah. a day, whatever you're supposed to take. And max you can take. You're not going to get. You can't go in every single day, buy the pain pills, and sell them out out in the street. Exactly. And and so why why haven't we done that? If this is a prescription medication, because we need the dough, Lou. We need the dough, and we don't. Same thing with gambling. We don't. We don't care how many families are busted apart by gambling. I mean, it's crazy. S P futures down eighty one. S P futures down three hundred three. We'll talk market when we come back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right there, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 82. That's a little bit of a bounce back, scary enough. NASDAQ Futures down 302. That's 2.6%. Dow Futures down 568. Uh... Yesterday we'll do, all right, here we'll do yesterday. Yesterday we actually bounced back. I was up 303, S&P up 54, NASDAQ up 270 after three horrible days in a row. So it wasn't that much of a bounce. It was, you know, it was a good day. It was a real good day, actually. But now today is, is wiped away at least that, um, which is not so high. Over in Europe, as the Bank of England uh, raised their rates for the fifth time in a row, uh, DAX is down 407, that's 3%. Puts you down 171, 24 and we've got the CAC around, not as bad, only down 122, that's 2%. Over in Asia, we've got, Nikkei was actually up 105, and they were down a bunch yesterday. Uh, that's 0.4%. Shanghai down 20, that's 0.6%. Hang Seng down 462 to 2.1, that's 2.1%. Again, these guys, the whole number in Hang Seng is 20,845. Let's see, a year ago they were 29,000, so that's 30-some percent. That, that's kind of a lot. Uh, you know, we got bonds um, up uh, five basis points, 3.44. Again, it's the highest we've seen in quite some time. Uh, the Bund, uh, 1.82, that's up 17 basis points, 17. Uh, Japan up two basis points, up three to 0.28. That's, again, a recent high. Oil down a buck 46, 113.85. Brent up a buck, down a buck 64, 116.87. Natural gas up 33 cents, but 7.75 was over nine, like six, seven trading days ago. 
Arbob down three cents, three eighty five. So maybe we're going to get a little relief at the pumps since Arbob's been down twenty cents in the last few days. That's, that's the, by the way, Arbob is the uh, uh, unleaded gas wholesale price in New York Harbor. For those that don't know, uh, gold up a buck ninety, eighteen twenty one. Silver uh, down a penny, twenty one forty. Copper unchanged, actually down seven cents, four oh nine. And this is a big one of the big ones now. Crypto, Bitcoin's down five forty seven, twenty one thousand two one six. Nearly went below twenty thousand. And no matter who you believe, below twenty thousand has, has got some problems with margin and loans somewhere. And I asked one of the guys who's, who's done uh, worldwide studies on this last night. One of my Fed buddies. He goes, they they actually are having trouble putting together who exactly is doing these loans and where the money's coming from. So. We really don't want to go there, but we might. Matty, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have one issue on the area expressways, and it's apparently police activity on the Stevenson northbound just before Pulaski that has the right lane blocked. I don't have any more delays or uh, details than that, but it is causing delays of up to 20 minutes if you're coming northbound on the Stevenson just uh, prior to Pulaski there. The right lane is blocked, and that's causing a slowdown. Everything else is all quiet out there. Weather today, another hot, steamy day, but cooler than it's been the last couple of days. Sunny with a high of 92, uh, so still warm, but uh, a little bit uh, of a break from the 97 and 98 that we've had the last couple of days. Right now, it is partly cloudy and 76 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny with a high of 112. Right now it's clear and 80. In sports, the White Sox went to Detroit and swept the Tigers, winning three in a row after a blowout win yesterday, 13 to nothing. On the opposite end of the spectrum, the Cubs have now dropped nine in a row. They were destroyed last night by San Diego, 19 to 5 at Wrigley. Diamondbacks topped the Reds, 7 to 4. As we talked about last uh, half hour, the Colorado Avalanche lead the Stanley Cup Finals one game to nothing after topping the Lightning last night 4-3 to in overtime. Game 6 of the NBA Finals are tonight in Boston. It's an 8 p.m. Central Time tip-off. Golden State leads that best-of-seven series three games to two with a chance to close it out tonight on the road. Chief. I got this unrecognized phone call number last night. Was that, was that the Cubs calling me to see if I had any... Eligibility left on the mound or what? <laughs> I mean, they're, uh, they keep calling up guys from the minor leagues and some of them are highly rated prospects, uh, but you can tell they're not quite ready for the big show yet because they're in desperate mode. They got three of their five starters on the IL. Uh, Hendricks has just missed the last two weeks. He finally came back. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I mean for a, ta- a team that's not very talented to begin with, you start taking away th- their top guys from injury and it, it gets really bad quick. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not, sure, I'm not so sure they beat most AAA teams at this point. Well, we're on to the, uh, shallow recession is on the way. Strategist Warren. Lou, I, I, uh, I, I'm concerned. I'm always concerned, but the, uh, the, the news we hear, I don't, I don't, understand where I mean, it used to be the financial reporting was like better than other reporting but <clears throat> that's not happening anymore it, it must have spent i don't know how many how many words were spoken yesterday regarding where we're going to be in a recession and every person who, who manages money for every firm you're supposed to send money to every person is adamantly denying that we could possibly go into a recession everything's just too good Everything the, the the economy is just too good. The labor is just too good. Everything is just is so special. The thought of recession, you shouldn't even be able to even in speak it in polite company. And yet, I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. The GDP was down in the first quarter, and the Atlanta Fed just dropped their GDP 
estimate for the second quarter to zero from being like 1.3 two weeks ago to 0.9 last week, and now it's zero. It's only going straight downhill. Do these? Can you just? Do you just say whatever whatever you think people want to hear? Or is that just part of our vernacular now, or what? What was the last time you were at a Target or uh, a Kmart or, or one of the discount stores? When was the last time you shopped? Well, I, I, I shop every Sunday at the Myers at six in the morning. It's kind of okay. the same thing. I don't know. I don't know what the situation looks like there. But so I wandered into Target uh, yesterday to pick up some stuff, and maybe ten percent of the shelves were completely bare. Really? Um, I don't know if you know your female friends talk about their feminine product access issues but there is a tampon shortage that has developed in the United States much like the baby formula shortage much like the shortage in other I'm going I'm to guess Lou that if if we did a oh god if we, if we did a deep, just, uh, this yeah. is this is I'm just I don't know again I don't know where these your your commentators because I don't watch the financial news I don't know where they're getting their information but there is a a terrifying uh, article in Zero Hedge this morning talking about uh, the impact of the diesel of diesel fuel prices on farming and the fact that well, it's huge. the farmers in Pennsylvania that can afford to put crops into the ground, and that's not very many of them, are not going to be able to afford to take them out once they grow or to fertilize them. I'm going to say, Lou, that that's it, total BS at the price that the, that the final product is now for corn and wheat, corn and wheat and, and soybeans. I think you can buy, you can buy a lot of diesel with 14, when soybeans is $14 a bushel. Well, farmers whining about everything. It may be that that if you had that money, you could, but they don't have the money. You've got to be able to sell the crops. This stuff, this is hitting the this is hitting agriculture at at the at the very front end of that of that revenue stream. So so yeah, if you've got soybeans, but you've got to plant them first and then harvest. Oh, I understand. I mean, I, and unless you've got them stockpiled and can sell them at this price, and most of these guys don't, they sell their crop at the end of the year. Or I guess there, there's a there's a huge and 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 I, I I'm I'm just saying well, whatever is happening is rippling through our our economy right now and I think I think it's energy prices and this has been predicted oh you're, you're absolutely right no surprise but but there's your marker for a recession I, I'm, I'm not going to see empty store shelves or prices that are so much higher that that uh, people can't can't afford or are restricting their their purchasing choices, and, and dramatically so. Um, I, we're looking at our budget for gasoline, and I mean, Colorado's not even that bad. Our average price, I think, is still below five a gallon. But every one of my friends is talking about the fact that they are rebudgeting their their purchases and and restricting their their summer travel because of uh, because of these prices. You're, That's you're, what a recession looks like. Lou, you're ab- you're absolutely correct. I, uh, but I'm, I'm, what what? I'm not, but I'm going to. Would you, re- would you repeat I'm, that again, please? And then note the time. I'm, I'm going to say there's there's two types of creatures in the world that are that are unusual in one way. And I'm, I notice a broad generalization, but one is traders and the other is farmers. 
you you could never get a farmer to ever tell you that things are okay. That he had actually I agree. He had a, and, a, and a trader. I knew guys on the floor that had two houses, three cars. They never had a winning day. <laughs> it's just they, every day something sucked. They missed a trade. They did something, and yet the guys got nothing. But I mean, I agree. And I'm, the plural of anecdote is not data. I know that. And I, and but, I, but the reports, the what I saw in Zero Hedge this morning is something that I'm seeing out here in Colorado too. There's no question that the amount of of uh, natural gas that you need to dry corn after yep. it's harvested, and, and the diesel for the tractors, there is no question that that's having a huge issue. As are the price of the price of uh, uh, fertilizer. That's why you're seeing a lot of people switch from corn to soybeans because you don't need as much. Cur- as much, but uh, now the question is: if if corn was still three dollars a bushel, they'd all be out of business. But it's not. It's I think it's eight fifty or something. So the question is: are are they more than making up? But I, mean, I got a quick, real quick story for you. But but but, get, but chief again, you know this is this is much like our our shipping issue. Prices will rise to make the adjustment, but in the short run, in the short run, if you're not producing. If you if you can't produce the stuff to sell at that inflated price to make up the you're, losses, you're without, a doubt, price, without a doubt, you can't produce it. Well, that's where loans come in. But but I'm with you. That's my you know you've been on the show forever. Maddie's been here. My biggest bitch constantly about inflation is that you never know. It's very very uneven. Some people get hurt. Some people make dough. That's why you can't let it happen. Or maybe you let it happen on purpose because you know who's gonna. Who's going to actually make the one of the gentlemen here at PTI? We'll go nameless. Was at an event the other night with some new people, new customers, and one of the dudes was saying he's in the sports business. I won't say what they make, the, the sports equipment business, and he said, you know, my input costs have not really gone up hardly at all, and I'm just lucky. I bought some stuff early, and my my supply chain is fine. You know, somehow or other, my competitors, whether theirs are different or whether uh, they're just BSing. Because every day, the first thing I do is I, I kick up Amazon and I see where my competitors are priced. And if they've raised theirs, I raise mine. It's been the best year I've ever had. So, the, you, unless, whenever somebody says something, when things are going like this, Lou, that's why, you know, I, and I got this not just because, you know, I'm a, I'm a grump, which, I, which maybe I'm turning into. I learned this when I was doing the stuff at Pullman, that, that the guys who had the, the trucks had an escalation clause. The guys who had the seats had an escalation clause. The guys with the air conditioners had an escalation clause. Guess what? The guys who did the lighting forgot to put one in their contract. Those guys, I mean, unless they bought all the stuff early on, inflation had to be 30% over the life of their contract. If they were buying their stuff as they went, they, didn't, they couldn't have made a dime. They probably lost money on the deal. So it's not even anywhere. And, uh, you know, some I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that, the, the anecdotal stuff that I I just told you about the farm yeah. is being reflected on the shelves at places yes. like Target and Safeway and and uh, I haven't seen it at Costco yet. But uh, they have Costco. We're going through the roof. There 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 there's aisles. But to get back to your your tampon issue, I mean I don't know I don't know much about the tampon industry, but I'm going to say if you and I. Uh, this morning we're sitting around with a cup of coffee and did a deep dive into the tampon industry. 
We're going to find out that there's probably two or three manufacturers with, some, with a bunch of this stuff coming from overseas, just like the infant, infant formula crap. And we're going to see that the supply chain is some sort of a cartel, and how the hell did it get that way? I'm just, I'm just, I'm, my, that's my prediction. I'm going to give it a 75% chance. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, what I'm noting is, is, to go back to your earlier comment, how are these guys saying we're not on a recession? And, and I, I have to think it's because they are, in effect, insulated. Yes. From, from the vicissitudes of, of daily life that the rest of us are exposed to and, and they, they somehow, it, it doesn't register that, that, you know, they see gas prices going up, but it doesn't register what, what flows from, from that impact. Very much like, I suspect, the ideologues in, in this administration, I mean, I mean, this president campaigned on destroying the oil and gas industry. He, he promised he was going to do that. And, and I don't think his, his people that, that surround him and giving him advice on this, on how to do this, have a, a clue at the impact of, for example, propane prices on grain drying. I'm hey, pretty sure they didn't know anything about that. Oh, hey, I have a question for you. I got this, uh, I have all kinds of questions for you. That's why I love having you. I got this thing from the, the Core Digest, and of course this guy writes in, the question was, what's the dumbest thing a president's ever done? Now, of course, that you could go back a long way, and it's going to be a long list. Of course, this guy. You mean in the last in the last week or, or <laughs> over the course of history? <laughs> well, well, this guy is was a, is a you know obviously you could tell by his language he's a vehement anti-Trumper, right? Uh, but he, he 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 cited a situation and you know I, I sort of remember this a little bit. I, you know it's very vague that when our when our price our uh, price of our oil when when the Saudis and the Russians allegedly started pumping oil onto the market. With, with, you know, the, the implied intent, who knows what was in their mind, I don't know, I never talked to one of these people, of screwing with our, basically our frackers. And then that's when oil went down to under 30 bucks and they had the futures trade negative. This was what, four years ago? Something yeah, like that? Yeah, no, no, I remember, yeah. I remember this and I remember, well, uh, I remember somebody I can't remember who it was saying, listen, we have to hold the Saudis accountable for this. Well, didn't, didn't Trump, according to this guy, cut a deal with the Saudis it said, we're not going to follow through on your, your arms purchases. We're not going to sell them to you if you don't cut back on your oil production like 25% because our the price of oil here was too cheap. Did they, I think that did happen, but I don't know. Now that that, if that, that, would did not, it, that would not surprise me one bit. Well, if that happened, that is, that, that's the seeds <laughs> of everything, of a lot of And then you, you pile on to that. These guys coming in and don't like oil. Well, of course we got a problem between those two decisions. Uh, well, yeah, and and of course now the president's going to go pay uh, uh, fealty to uh, to uh, Saudi Arabia this summer, and we're already doing it to Venezuela uh, and Iran. I mean, it, it, uh, if if we're gonna, if we're going to get into the dumbest things presidents do, I, I you know we had lots of competition on both sides. Well, we're we're but, we're, we're grinding up on the rig count twenty thirty a week. I think they should just. Be, be calm. Let the idea that you have to, when oil is one hundred and fourteen dollars a barrel, the idea that you have to go tell a Saudi that he should put more in the market. They need the money. They were broke for years when it went down. You don't. Have, you shouldn't have to tell them that. For God's sake, 
Well, I, I, I think I think that really though the the the, the craziness is. He's committed. He's still committed to damaging and destroying the energy industry in the United States, or his people are. I, I don't. I don't honestly know whether he's, he's making these decisions. I, I'm thinking or not. he isn't. But he isn't. his his, peop, his people are, and and we are not. He's still. They're still restricting uh, drilling leases and and sending all the signals to the industry here in the United States that that they shouldn't be investing in in production here. I'm going to say, Lou, that they're... And, and, oh, by, and oh, by the way, I think we're still, you know, I think we're still exporting oil like mad well, here. Well, you know, I think we're not, I don't know about the oil part, but we're, we're we, a few years ago, and I, I'm i not so sure which president this happened, it used to be against the law to uh, export refined products. So we, we could not export diesel and uh Yeah, is that, get, is that the, I'm always confused about this, is that the Jones Act? I think so, and didn't that get repealed? No, I think it no, did. This is, this is the time. This is the time to do it. I think it did. I, I think. I think we're now shipping diesel over to Europe because it's way more expensive over there. But I, you know, I don't know. I, I need to to dig on that. But I think it got repealed. I, I think we can now ship refined products. In, in any in any event, to go back to your question about the recession, I I think that. You know, we, 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 a bunch of people, you included, were saying, you know, 18 months ago, if we keep pumping money into the economy like this, we're gonna, we're gonna drive a huge inflationary spike. And, and here we are. And, and the impact of all of this coming together, which I think was eminently predictable. Sure was. Uh, because I listened to you, uh, was eminently predictable. Has has just blown past these folks, and and like I like I said, I, I think I think a lot of these folks are not out shopping at places where they see empty store shelves. But, well, they, but it is unnerving. It is unnerving. As, as some as somebody who's grown up in a place where I'm not used to seeing that. No, well, you know some, and, and something I, is wrong though, Lou. I, I mean, I, and I don't I don't know if it's it's the way. Like I said, I go to the Myers every, but you'll have a, a week where. The, the pasta aisle is there's like hardly any pasta. Yet you get on the block to the Italian place and there's two aisles of pasta. And then the next week, it's 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 overloaded. And and, and then and there'll be there'll be a problem in the something other aisle. I mean, I think these guys are having trouble with just getting all these stores. They're starting big. They're, they're having a, they're having a problem just getting the stuff. Maybe maybe it's the gas. Maybe it's the diesel. It, but it, it's not like it's the same thing every week. It's they seem to have issues. I mean, Walmart. I mean, I, and yet, and yet, in certain in certain industries, it apparently is the yes. same thing every week. Hey, uh, I, I just dug, dug up the. Products. the I, th- I think we just dug up. I dug up. I, I know I did. I dug up the Baker Hughes uh, rig count here. We bottomed out in uh, what the hell month? Let's say June of two thousand and twenty. We bottomed out from two, to down to two hundred and fifty five rigs from uh, let's say eleven 1, hundred. In uh, in 2018, so that was everybody's you know beating up on the. This is when the oil price went way down. We've managed to come back from 200 and uh, 250. We're back up to 662. We're starting to do like 20 a month, 25 a month, maybe as much as 30, which I think is maybe about as fast as they can go because those things are big deals. But I'm gonna, I'm with you, Lou. I'm gonna say if the, if people didn't have major reservations about the long term, you know 
story of this administration, I'll bet that number would be 45 instead of 30. I mean, it's not like they're not happening. I mean, they are. And no, it, it, I just, I, I look at this, and, and you know, it, uh, I want to be fair. To some extent, Biden economy is, is a reflection of, you know, the, the forced shutdown that, that we had in the last year of, of Trump. But they've, I think they've made decisions here that have probably compounded the negative effect um, and, and, and are keeping on making those decisions. And if you read some of the reports that are coming out, you know, they, they, there's a, and I keep coming back to energy because I think this is the most obvious place where the, where the administration's policies have a, a direct impact. If you read the, the stories that are coming out now about about the phone calls that are being made to to uh, refinery and and uh, uh, drilling company executives who are saying, you know, the people we're talking to at the administration thought we could restart this in a matter of months, you know, a month or two. They have, they have no no experience whatsoever in anything like this, Lou. I mean, I, I yeah. don't either. But and but yet, I, these are the people making. As I said, these, these people don't. Uh, this is. This comes back to a comment that, I, that I've seen over and over again, and not just in the conservative press, and you're starting to see now it's finally creeping into places like the New York Times. And that is, we have some really incompetent folks in these positions. They, they are, I'm going to say, Lou, in a lot of ways, they're exceptionally competent. They have an amazing skill set, or they wouldn't be where they are. Yet, What is Pete Buttigieg's skill set in transportation? That's exactly my point. He has he has a skill set of getting votes, of being, of being a speaker. Oh, well, okay, I'm saying what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it doesn't match once you get the job. I mean, I, I remember. I mean, I like the guy a lot. Mayor Daly asking me one day. He goes, "Tom, how come there's not a railroad manufacturer here in Chicago?" And I go, "Mayor, because of you and people like you." And he says, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, if you if you let me draw a plan up for a week where you would deliver." Uh, five or six CTA cars a month because they last you know twenty years or twenty five years and you get this how many you have and it was an ongoing thing where after twelve years I said you can't not have an order for for fifteen years then expect somebody to deliver five hundred of them in two years I mean come on <laughs> and he's like he looked at me he goes gee I never thought of that I mean it, it's not like he seriously had a, a skill set way more than mine in a lot of places. But when they, they wander into these areas where they know nothing about, and neither does their staff. Oh, the famous the famous line that, that I've always enjoyed, which is even smart people are stupid in strange situations, and and that's the first part of the rule. And the second part of the rule is only exceptionally smart people realize what they're in a strange situation. I, I tell you what, Lou. If you if you sometimes in some areas I'm pretty good at stuff, and you're really good in a lot of areas. And if you drop me into the, into the Oval Office. First thing I'm doing is calling the State Department. I don't know any of these people in Africa. Who the hell's running Central America? I mean, there, there's whole gaps in that skill set. I, I wouldn't have a clue if I didn't have somebody like you next to me. And yet, there's people in there that don't even know what the money supply is. Probably, you know. Let have, me let me just jump for the last couple of minutes. I'll give you the Ukraine update that I'm I'm watching. Are we getting bored with that? As as the uh, as they say this morning. Uh, well, we're getting bored because our people aren't winning. The guys we want to we want to support aren't winning. They're getting pounded. The Ukrainians are getting pounded. The the Russian military has, has figured out, you know, they they learned from their their attempted quick 
coup de main in, uh, in Kiev that failed. So now what they're doing is they're just firing artillery into the cities. They're destroying uh, facilities, building by building, and then moving their moving their forces in. They're killing artillery. You know, is the is the king of battle, and uh, they they are out numbering and out out uh, shooting the Ukrainians probably by a factor of ten or twenty to one. Um, the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition. They can't count. They can't counter battery fire. Uh, the, the Russians are not extending their armored units forward without without cover. They're just pounding an area and then moving troops in to to occupy it after they've they've leveled the place. And I think I think the you know their strategic their strategic goals are now no longer we're going to get the entire country. Their strategic goals are we are going to solidify our hold on the eastern part of the, of the country where the the resources are the research rich areas are. Uh, we're going to solidify our hold on that and, uh, uh, you know, drive out any Ukrainian resistance there. We'll subjugate that area, and then we'll bide our time for another five or ten years until the West is looking somewhere else, and then we'll do it again. And I think that I think that's the, the goal right now. Did you see the picture I sent you, Angelica, of all the, all the girls in their graduation outfits? Oh, yeah. uh, Maddie, I don't know if I send this to you. All the young boy, some very attractive young ladies in in their high school graduation outfits, standing in front of the ruins of the high school. God, did that did that suck? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I mean, this is this is more typical of the way we would expect to see the Russian military wage war, which is you know lots of artillery, lots of shelling, grind the place up, put the troops in. Now, uh, could deport deport the native population that's left, establish your your foothold, move your artillery forward, grind up the next you know twenty to thirty miles of of uh, targeting area, you know blow everything up, destroy any cover, and then and then move your people forward, and that's what they're doing. Lou, I, Lou, I know you got we, we got a dash here, but and, and you've given me you've castigated me this for my mentality once before, but. If you wreck the whole place, why do you even want it? Because you do. And that's why. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I just, I just can't, I can't get, the, I can't get to it through my feeble mind. See, I, I he, want he Chicago. Just gave a, he yeah. just gave an interview. Putin just gave an interview where he compared himself to Peter the Great. Oh God! And and I mean, if you're talking along those lines, then then the acquisition of territory at at whatever cost is enough. Good Lord, Lou, have a nice weekend, buddy. Uh, SP Futures down 79, NASDAQ Futures down 291. Be right back, Dan Janitas. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello, everybody. Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howie. Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 75. Nasdaq Futures down 273. We're actually come back. We had them like 88 when we came in, and we were over, we were down over 300 in the uh, in the uh, Nasdaq. Uh, so we've actually come back a little bit here. Mr. Dan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I hope you hope you brought some answers because I got people lined up with some questions for you today. <laughs> uh, sure. We've got uh, with the rates moving like this. You know, uh, people are making you know some moves, but just to kind of set the tone, we're we're still talking about a ten year at uh, I've got it this morning what three three four something three forty yeah, uh, and the thirty year is almost the same number three four three five, which is actually the three year is almost the same as the the ten and the thirty right, and uh, which is a little bit odd. So you've, I mean, I have I'm getting all kinds of calls for people who want to get into the. You know, at least look at some of the fixed income stuff, and uh, which obviously is your is your your hole your your hole where you go for just like the eighteenth hole, you know, right in the right in the, right in the <laughs> cup. And uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. And our style has actually done. My style of management has done very well this year. Where I was reviewing some performance um, earlier, and my clients, some of them are up as much as seven percent. Wow. Um, some are up one percent, down two or three percent. And this is an environment where um, bonds are down 16%. The uh, aggregate bond index uh, is down 16%. And, uh, you know, anyone knows that the uh, S&P down more than 20 and the NASDAQ 30. So, so we do well in this environment. And the reason we do well is that we focus on yield. So we don't change our style or strategy. What we have done is we have raised some cash. That helps. And now, just now, we're starting to get some good ideas and some good, um, very short-term, high, what I wouldn't call high-quality high-yield bonds, um, which are yielding 6 to 7%. And, you know, for like nine, nine months you're, uh, recently. you got to move to a different spot in the room. You're, you're, you're fading in and out. Okay. Can, 
or you call, or you call right back. Whatever you want to do, either one. But uh, we want to hear we want to hear you loud can and clear this morning with all the stuff I have to ask, can, ask you. Can you hear me now? That's better. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we have. Uh, uh, what I would say is that there's, um, you know, there is opportunity now in very short more opportunity uh, we as we, we, we missed that whole piece. You, you, I think you might, might want to have to call back because you we oh, missed that whole. Call back. Okay. Yeah, we don't want to. Uh, just, just kind of the set the tone on what yesterday did. Uh, they raised uh, seventy-five basis points. All right, now that brings us back to we're up to one, one and a half to one point seven. All right, which is a big jump, obviously, from where we were. And now they're talking about another point seven five in July. And I think they'll probably do some sort of a wait and see. Hope that the inflation cools a little bit after that. I don't know if they're going to do another seventy-five right before the election, unless they're forced to. But because that's that's not something you want to want to have happen if you're the guy running. Uh, but the, the 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 problem here for me, and this is what I'm going to try and talk to Dan about, is, is Dan's. He sent me an email yesterday. He found some stuff up in like the seven percent range, and uh, you know the question is, well, my my clients, I keep saying, well, just wait, just wait. These numbers are going up every day. I mean, the idea of a Three percent one-year rate in the treasuries, when your inflation rate is you know eleven or twelve or thirteen or fifteen or whatever you want to call it, is to me still a a really horrible trade. Now it maybe it's better than it was, and it's better than, than getting nothing. I, I get that part, but uh, I still think that you don't. We've we've been waiting basically fifteen years for this. I don't think we need to jump the jump gun early now. Now if Dan finds something for a year or two for seven percent, eh. That's a different story. I, we can roll with that because you know uh, it's maybe not the ten, but it's it's not you know it's not horrible either. It's better than one and two, and it's probably surely better than the market right now, and it's way better than being in a bank. So I think I think I'm going to have to give a little bit on this, uh, Dan. I was just Dan. I, I was just setting the tone for you a little bit. I was saying that the um with the with the move yesterday, as much as if you listen to TV or radio. You're convinced that these guys are bare knuckle fighting this inflation. The fact is, they're back up to 1.75 with an inflation rate of 12. You know, so they're not right. even on the planet. So, right. and even with the federal rate for a two year or one year up to three percent, the idea of giving somebody your money for three percent when you know when they hand it back to you, it's going to be worth 10 percent less than you gave it to them is still basically a horse bleep trade. So, but but then again, the stuff you're finding is getting close enough. Or if you're not out that far, and it's and it's better because the banks. I haven't. Have you, have you seen a sign in a bank saying we're not paying one percent? I haven't. I mean, I don't no, no. In fact, that isn't going to happen right away. I mean, it will happen as the year goes on, but that's not going to happen right away. So you have to look for other alternatives. And one place that is not, I will, I would say, to stay away from right now would be CDs. So CD rates are actually lower than T bill rates and Treasury rates. Um, for example, uh, uh, the average two-year CD is yielding 210, where the two-year Treasury note is 3.4. So you're, you're getting 100, you know, more than 100 basis points uh, of yield um, in the two-year by buying a very liquid um, Treasury note than you would be by buying a CD where you'd probably be locked up. So this is not the time that you want your rate locked up even in the short run, because you're going to be, um, 
faced with, uh, you know, yields. We know yields are going higher. There's no question. Um, and we don't know how long they'll continue to hike. But uh, CD, I would say, is not the place. If you want to buy short-term T-bills, um, you're getting the three-month T-bill, you're getting 1.78%. But you're right. You're not getting anywhere near the... Um, the uh, inflation rate, but if you have money sitting in cash and you need to keep that cash for a purchase or, you know, say a home purchase or a car purchase, um, you can at least get close to 2% for a short-term um, T-bill, like a three-month T-bill. A one-year T-bill is 2.2%. So say you had a, you know, if you have a situation where you need to sock some money away for a period of time, I would feel much more comfortable buying the short-term T-bills. That being said, looking at the bigger picture of your portfolio uh, and trying to, um, you know, enhance your return, um, this is a time where my strategy is absolutely coming in favor because high-yield bonds, the spread, is, as we've talked before, the dis- difference between what you get in in uh, the on the yield on the um, high-yield bond versus a similar um, treasury bond, a bond with similar... Um, maturity, that number we spoke about, and we've talked about this the last few weeks, the average is 480. So 4.8%, you get 4.8% more by holding the the average um, high-yield bond versus holding the treasury of the same maturity. If you remember, a few weeks ago, that dropped to 380, and it's widened back out again to 480. Now, that is very substantial in the high-yield high market to have a 100 basis point swing in that spread. And what that tells me is that there's concern about slowing growth. Um, there's concern about credit for the first time, not big concern. It's a risk-off trade that you want right now. It's not a risk-on trade. And what it also tells me, though, that it is good news, that the average yield on the average high-yield bond is 8.2%. So the maturity is someplace in the four or five year range. I wouldn't necessarily be stepping into bond, bond high yield bonds in that range. We're looking more at the nine month, one year, maybe one and a half year, but we're not going to go out um, because then you have uh, interest rate risk, uh, more interest rate risk, and you lose out of you know the, there's an opportunity cost to knowing that rates are going higher. So uh, some of it is going to be patience in here, but I look at it more as sort of dollar cost averaging into these bonds, so buying them as opportunities come up, and um, so we've done um, we've done well this year, we've done very well because we've been in the right places in the in the market, um, you know, for example, self, we've talked about self-storage, just a great industry to be in, not is not really impacted by a lot of things going on right now, but, you know, they are, um, do not have to deal with, uh, the supply chain issues, they're not really dealing with their labor issues are not big. So the, the big things that are going on, I mean, inflation, they can continue to raise rates since they have pretty high capacity. And I know a lot of people in this environment that need to put stuff, stuff in storage. So that's the name that is, that's the REIT that we've been talking about that has continued to perform very well. It gives you a nice fat yield. And we've had some nice price appreciation. So the trick is to get the, I think your, for lack of a better term, your shtick is, is to find something with a high yield bond that's a solid company that shouldn't really be in the high yield area, but is. 
Right, and that's and that's a couple of the bonds that we bought yeah. uh, recently. I think I talked about Sasol, S-A-S-O-L. They have a, a bond of 4.5% coupon that's due in November of this year. So it's basically a five-month bond yielding 5%. Um, High-quality company. Another one is Aviant, A-V-N-T. And again, we're talking about the bonds here. Um, the chemical company does polymers and um, the plastic um, uh, additives for, for plastic. They're uh, five and a quarter percent coupon due March 15th of 23. It's a nine month bond and we were buying these at six plus percent. So that's pretty attractive. And, and my top pick is a company called OMF. The stock symbol is OMF. Uh, the bonds are five and five eighths of March 1523. So nine month bonds. This company is, um, one main holdings also known as American General Finance, uh, not not AIG, but American General Finance. It's a financial services consumer finance company that's been around for 100 years, um, based in Indiana. Uh, we were buying these at seven and a quarter, so we were buying them at 725, which is a pretty significant yield for a nine-month bond. And the one thing that I really like about this um, company is uh, this the the equity. Um, the average uh, rating on the equity uh, across a series of um, independent research analysts is very bullish. So on a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is the most bullish, uh, their average rating is 9. And that encompasses, you know, uh, you know 40 or 50 different um, analyst reviews. So, so if you like the stock, you got to love the bonds because the stock comes higher in the capital structure. So there are ideas like this now. They're just coming to the surface. You know, we had talked about Stina. Uh, that, you know, is a, is a company that um, we have a few more concerns about at this point because they're, you know, their exposure in Europe. Um, so if you haven't bought it, I would, I would, I would stay away from that one right now. They're, um, they're going to have, I think they, you know, they, they, they're the ferry company that also does, has freighters, and they do a little bit of um, drilling as well. The great thing about that company, from a bondholder's point of view, is they have different businesses which can be sold off. Well, Dan, every uh, week, every week, this the stuff seems to be getting better and better rapidly. Um, yes. Why, if if you've got a client or two that have been kind of waiting to do this for five years, why not give it another month? You could, yeah. I mean, I think, and I think that. That I would say, I agree with that. I think the next um, Fed hike at the end of July would be the time frame that I would use, and we will know a lot more over the next month. And we can see how the numbers come out over the next month. Again, one thing that you and I have talked about: um, you got to be really careful with these numbers when we're looking at inflation numbers. And somebody uh, yesterday, one of the newscasters, I think it was the CNBC, said, um, "You know, we're talking about gas, but look at you know, look at rent." You know, rent increases are substantial, and the measure that I think we we talked about this recently, the the measure for for um, the average rent is actually not even a realistic um, or an accurate measure. Um, so that's something that I think people aren't really aware of when you talk about adding a hundred dollars extra a month for gas. But what if you're adding twelve hundred or or thirteen hundred extra or fifteen hundred extra for rent? So 
that trend, I think, is going to be one that's going to impact housing. Housing, obviously, will be impacted as well by higher rates, higher mortgage rates. We're going through this very interesting transition period here where there's still people that are quitting jobs because they only want to work from home, and then there's still people who aren't going back to work, and there are still jobs, you know, plenty of open positions. Um, so this uh, mismatch of on the labor force, um, I've been at a conference the last couple of days. All of the companies, CEOs that I've been speaking to, say that their labor is still an issue. Um, Black Hills is a utility that we talked about. I think they're just extremely well run, have a really good management team, really good incentives for their employees. They are on top of the labor issues. Some other companies, not so much. I think some other companies are having bigger challenges because we're still in an environment where people can leave those companies and go somewhere else where they may have more work flexibility, hybrid work, make more money. Um, so it's, it's kind of we're in these two different worlds where that's happening. And at the same time, we're seeing a lot of the tech companies beginning to um, have layoffs. And other industries as well have layoffs. So, Dan, we're in a, two, in one man's what? opinion, we're in a, I don't know, I don't know how you're going to inject this. We're in a very arrogant time for people. I mean, you and I aren't. Betty Weber's not. But I, I mean, I've heard some people say, I'm not working anywhere. That, you know, I'm quitting if i got to come back to work. You know what? I think we're a month or two away for somebody to say, somebody saying, go to hell, go to hell and quit. I think we're getting this labor thing, just like mortgages and housing prices. These housing prices are about two or three months away from just making a huge turn. And the guy who said, yeah, I need a million dollars for my house, and we scrambling to get 800. And I think we're right, right there. And, I, and, I, and I, I really hope that nobody who listens to the show is going to tell their boss, if, if you want me to come in, I'm quitting, and find out they don't have a job anywhere. I mean, I think yeah, we're real close to that. I would agree with you 100% on that, and I, and I think Elon Musk came out with that. Um, and yeah. I, you know, I have to say that I, I am right on board. And I've been saying this really for quite some time, that the employment issue is really an, uh, it's an issue that we're struggling with. It's, um, it's an issue that, you know, for younger people who have been in a, work, a world, um, especially in the tech space, they've been in a world where they were given all these perks and working from home and all that. I know I have a client that works for Amazon in a, you know, fairly senior position. He's a young guy that's just done extremely well. But he's concerned just because of the, you know, the environment has changed. You know, they don't have the ping pong tables anymore in the office. So it's just, and I guess the reason I'm saying that is that they've kind of given away some of the perks already because they're having to pay people more. Um, They're, you know, there's um, even the average workers in their warehouses are having to get paid more, and they're having trouble finding people. Um, So I, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I also do not think inflation. is transitory. Um, I think we're going to continue to see um, uh, inflation, and the it's not going to just come from the oil sector. That's that's where a fair amount of it's coming from, but it's going to come from areas that are closing plants. Um, you know, meatpacking facility that closed a, a, a plant recently. I think it was Smithfield Foods. Um, I just heard about this morning. I actually saw. I don't know if you saw this, but a gas station closed them because they thought prices were too high. Really? So there's going to be some of that happening as well. All that puts pressure on the consumer. There's, you know, I think this is a time to really pay attention and look around, you know, empirical evidence, looking around, not just paying attention to the numbers, but what are you seeing out there, you know, in the, in the world? Are people 
you know, they keep talking about people traveling and all that, and I just came back from a trip, and I, I had made a lot of observations on this trip, and it seemed to me um, that, and I flew southwest coming back, and it seemed to me that for a discount carrier, the, the crowd of people on the plane were, you know, more, um, you know, higher class, higher, you know, people that probably had a lot of means that normally wouldn't even even flown that flight. And then I think the, you know, just being able to observe those things, because that is only going to change more. And the people who are struggling to pay gas and struggling to pay rent are going to obviously be the most greatly impacted. But anybody who, you know, who wants to pay $1,000 a week for a rental car right now, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's an environment that's only going to get worse. And I well, think people need to realize that. And what I think a lot of the average people are going to realize is that, um, it's, they're going to wait until it happens and then suddenly realize, why is this happening? Um, and it's happening, and we've talked about this, because too much money was, was put into the system. Too much money was printed. Too much, um, they're, they're, that was the biggest mistake. I think uh, we're in an environment that um, it's, it was flooded at the worst possible time. Our, our monetary, you know, our, the, the, our, we put too many, um, too much money into the market, too much liquidity into the market. Um, and, you know, at least from my point of view as a bond manager, I could see this right away. Also, I don't think our administration or the people that work for the administration have any clue how this works. I think they're very far removed. Um, and that is not helping things. Well, Dan, so, I, from uh, way, way back in 70s days, I, one of the, I think one of the, it's not any kind of a uh, justification for what these guys have done, but when they put so much, somewhere, so much money in, the, there was there was a, and I, you know, I can talk old stuff to people who are younger, but there w- there was an infrastructure, a, a, an informational infrastructure back in the that developed in the seventies and early eighties regarding inflation, to where if General Motors or even Ace Hardware came out and said our sales were up X. Um, we, you know, but really we only sold 90% of what we sold last year. So we had a, a 15% bump because the prices were higher. You would actually get that information from people. I think when they started pouring money into the system and these prices started to go up and these, the, the gross GDP numbers started to go higher because everybody had 50000 in their bank account because they just sent them a check, they, they totally overrode the fact that we've been really slowing down I mean, we've, we've picked up from the bottom of COVID, but if you go back to 2019, it's been a slowdown all the way through. There's, I mean, yeah. you can go, you can go by a bar or a restaurant. Man, the bars and restaurants are mobbed. Yeah, but look across the street. That place didn't reopen. Right. <laughs> you know, so instead of both of them being two thirds full, this guy's jammed. But guess what? You're still down a third if you do the math, right? So I don't think oh, yeah. there's, there's any appreciation for how difficult it is to figure out exactly where you are when when you've got the nominal number so different from the real number. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, Dan, you and I, I think, are pretty bright. I don't think I'd want that job. I, I, I can't tell you right. where we are here. They've, they've obfuscated the whole the whole thing. I mean, uh, in, in my opinion, and I, and I, I agree with you that you, you were, we're seeing this kind of a, and we're also, it, it's the tail end of, of, of Trump doing all this stuff with China, which, by the way, I, I'm, I was with him on the China stuff, but he did it in a way that showed he had absolutely no knowledge whatsoever right. of, of the stuff we don't do here anymore. 
I don't. I don't think they put the tariffs on intelligently. What I mean, I, I don't. I mean, he didn't spend a week with with really smart guys like you in a room saying, "Okay, if we do this, guess what? There's not going to be a kid's swimming pool in the country next year. There's not going to be this. There's not going to be that." I don't think he had any idea. I mean, I, I mean, and if he would have had an idea, maybe he maybe he would have done it differently, or maybe they, maybe there was another way to do it. I don't know. I just don't think they even care to learn. I mean, I, whoever's in there. Do you? I mean, right. No, no, I agree. Because I was going to say, I, I think the same thing is happening now where there isn't really, you know, it's not like our, you know, people in our industry who really have seen this, especially over several decades, um, would be really good resources. And I don't know that they're really being tapped the way they should be. And people are making their own judgments. It's, it's you know, it, just as we talk about the importance of having a money manager and an advisor that's making the decisions, um, like what we do, it's also important to have, um, people who, you know, have the, we, I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is that the, um, you, people who are trying to do it themselves are now getting crushed. This year to date, they've, they've realized, you know, maybe the 401k from a, a prior firm has been, um, trashed. It's down 25 or 30 percent. I know I've had a couple of, uh, current clients that have rolled over, um, IRAs and what they're concerned about is that I mean, for, former 401ks into their IRAs. And what they're concerned about is um, they don't have a lot of control over what's going on, and plus they don't have the background to be making these decisions. And this is a turbulent time. So just as a pilot performs at his best during turbulent times, money managers perform at our best well, during tur- turbulent times. And although we may not have all the answers, we at least can go back in our history and experience and say that we, have, we remember these types of things. We can go all the way back to the 70s and say, we remember inflation. And we can also, I think the other thing at least that we have the benefit of is talking to the CEOs of these companies and realizing that they're, you know, they are probably the best resource of information because they're out there dealing with all of these issues. And, and I'm, you know, I've been, in, like I said, in this conference and I'm getting a lot of really good feedback from their point of view of what, you know, what the real stresses are right now. And, you know, we talked about labor, um, we talked about uh, cost of materials. One thing I will say um, is that people have been able, companies and even small businesses, um, have been able to pass along a lot of those costs. Um, I've talked to a couple right. of utilities at this conference. They can pass along close to 90% of, of the, you know, the, the cost of natural gas to their customers, so they're not really being hit hard right now. At some point, though, people aren't going to be able to afford, consumers aren't going to be able to afford the higher rates, so there's going to have to be some adjustment. And I'm not quite sure how that happens. Uh, pain, the, painfully. What? Painfully. Yes, painfully. And I don't think there's any other way about it. So well, let's I think probably let's... for the first time in many years, I've been really concerned over the past few weeks just watching the trading, um, especially the trading of high-yield bonds, because I think we have, as a high-yield bond manager from the past, I, or current high-yield bond manager, we have an advantage because we still have a tradable market. We still have... We, you know, it's not just an exchange. We have a tradable market. And what I'm seeing is liquidity is already starting to dry up. Absolutely. And there's a lot of these, I mean, options and stuff. Dan, it's going to, it's head off the break. Hey, second half hour, do not let me wander off like I always do. I want to know about how do, how the preferreds dovetail in with these rates that are going up. Also, I had a question about, uh, Baby bonds. I don't know what the hell those are, so you're going to have to enlighten me on those. SP Futures down 67, NASDAQ Futures down 244. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back to Jacks. I'm Tom Howie. He's Mr. Matt Weber. The board SP Futures down 67. That sounds horrible, except when we came in, they were down 88. So everything is relative, they say. NASDAQ Futures down 241. They were down over 300. We're coming back some. Dow down 450. It was down 525 when we came in. So, again, we're making a little bit of progress here. Over in Europe, DAX down 359. Uh, that's 2.7%. I think they were 3% last time we ran through this. FTSE down 183, 2.5%. CAC around down 113. 1.89% over in Asia. Nikkei is actually up. They were down a bunch yesterday. 
Uh, up 105, that's 0.4%. Shanghai down 20, 0.6%. But Hang Seng, whack, whack again. 462, it's 2.2% again. I, as I talked about earlier, they got to be down 9,000 points in the calendar year. So that's, it's, it's at least, no, not at least, probably about a third. So those guys have been taking a big hit over there with all those, uh, the Alibaba's and those kinds of places. That's where they all trade. So they've been having trouble with that. Yesterday, we finally had a green day. Not so much today so far. Dow was up 303 after the Fed announcement. S&P up 54. That was 1.5%. NASDAQ was up 270, a full 2.5%. So the NASDAQ is not down as much, actually, as we were up yesterday. So maybe we'll, we'll turn the bus around here again uh, today a little bit. Uh, bonds 10 years now unchanged at 3.40. The bond up 12 basis points as the Bank of England raised rates yet again. Uh, 1.76 is that number. Uh, Japan up, up, get a load of this. This is wild. We're going to talk to Dan about this. They are up 10 basis points. 0.35 percent. They've been sticking on 25 for many what's been two years. Every every morning it's 0.25. Yeah. Now it's 0.35. Wow. Oil down a buck seventy. One thirteen sixty one. Brent down a buck seventy. Uh, One sixteen eighty three. Natural gas up thirty six cents, but still under eight dollars. Now over nine like it was last week. Seven seventy eight. Our Bob down five cents. Three eighty four. Good thing I saved up. I only bought half a tank last week. Now it's to be down this week with the retail uh, wholesale going down like this. Gold is now up <clears throat> up six bucks, eighteen twenty five. Silver up five cents, twenty one forty seven. Copper down seven cents to four oh eight. And again, a lot of big news lately is the Bitcoin down three fifty three, but still over twenty one thousand, twenty one thousand four ten. I think it almost made it below twenty thousand last night, but it's bounced back. Betty, we got for us traffic weather sports. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Traffic is uh, starting to build up on the Edens and Kennedy. No accidents to report. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson. All four of those expressways are approaching an hour into downtown. South side looking okay on the Ryan, I-57 and the Bishop Ford. Earlier police activity on the Stevenson at Pulaski is all clear, so that's good news. Only crash in the area is Ogden Avenue at Yackley. Uh, down to the uh, western, uh, southwestern suburbs. What the hell is Yackley? I don't know. It's a CR40 slash Yackley Avenue. Uh, anyway, we're good otherwise. Weather today, another sunny, hot, and humid day, but a bit cooler than yesterday. Right now it's uh, partly cloudy and 77, going up to a steamy high of 92. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 112 today. Right now it's clear and 81. In sports, White Sox swept the Tigers in Detroit, winning 13-0 yesterday. Cubs were blown out by the Padres, 19-5. Cubs have dropped nine in a row. Diamondbacks beat the Reds, 7-4. In hockey, the Colorado Avalanche lead the Lightning one game to nothing in their uh, best-of-seven Stanley Cup final, winning 4-3 in overtime last night. Game six of the NBA Finals is tonight in Boston. That's an 8 p.m. Central Time tip-off. Golden State leads that series three games to two, and they can close it out tonight on the road. Chief. Manny, hockey, hockey playoff in the playoffs is, is the full five people, right? Uh, the overtime? I mean, six people, including the goalie. You, I think that's correct, yeah. They, I don't think they remove a player on each side like they do in the regular season. And there's no, it just goes forever. It, it just goes forever, yeah, no shootout at the end either. All right, Dan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that even a guy who's on top, your finger is on the pulse of the economy, I'll bet you didn't catch this stuff that the Atlanta Fed caught this week. The Atlanta Fed, which does the GDP now, just dropped their growth estimate from the second quarter from 0.9. It was 0.3 a week and a half ago, and then they went to 0.9. Now they're at zero. As the, as the muttonheads on TV 
We'll talk all day long about. It. There's no way we're going to recession. We're there, guys. I mean, we are there. I, I agree. Yeah. But get a load of this. I'll bet even you didn't didn't check out these reports. Somebody has to read them. These guys are uh, the the forecast of second quarter real person cons- real personal consumption expenditure growth, second quarter real gross private domestic investment growth, and second quarter real government spending growth. All of them decreased. I'm going to say I missed all those. Yeah, no, actually, in the consumer uh, index uh, and the Michigan um, uh, index as well have shown uh, signs of, of decline as well. That there, you know, I think two things when you're looking at um, investing that are really important are consumer sentiment and investor sentiment. Because as soon as those two things turn, you're going to see a market go down and, and generally an economy go down as people become more. Uh, you know, they're holding their money more. They're not as apt to spend. And I agree with you, Tom, that I think in the next few months we're going to see some changes. I think things are moving very quickly right now. And all of a sudden I think we're going to see people making some, some, um, decisions where they're cutting back on more and more. And so less spending, obviously, and, you know, weaker consumer sentiment, weaker investor sentiment. Um, so absolutely agree. Dan, are you are you willing to make a bet? I'm going to go way out there because, hey, even if I'm buying, I don't care. I'd love spending time with you. Next time we meet for adult beverages, the first round, the bet will be, I think that the Fed is going to be 5% by the end of the year. Mm, I think you're going to be pretty close. I wouldn't be too far off from that. But what are they saying? 3.4 by the end of next year? I don't, I want next year, I think it's going to uh, – it might be a little lower. I would probably say uh, – I would go just inside of that. I mean, I actually, if I really thought about it and didn't want to just buy a drink, I'd say four and a half. But it's it's nowhere near the number they're talking about. They're going to be way above that. Yeah, I think there's there's uh, there's still a disconnect. Okay, uh, so uh, before I before I launch us into other crap, what are, what are baby bonds and how with these 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 bonds you're finding? Some of them you're finding you're still you're still trying to stay within the you know the nine month one you were happy about. You're still trying to say within two years because you think this is all going to get better. We we agree on that. Now, how do how do the preferreds? Are any preferreds that have a, a a call date on them or something? You can put the lid on the preferreds or no? Well, the um, the chicken soup for the soul entertainment C S E P P. Those are callable. Um, they're callable at twenty five. They're trading at around twenty three. So you get a few points uh, as well as a nice fat coupon there. Um, I think it's a solid. Um, preferred. We talked about BK, EPP, Blue Knight, um, the asphalt storage business. Um, that's trading at a premium that uh, they've had a lot of really good news fundamentally in that company. They've also been at the right place at the right, right time because they basically they just store the asphalt and they get paid rent on it and the rents have gone up and they can pass that cost through to their, um, their customers. So those would be my top two. And, you know, self is a, self storage is a, um, is a REIT, but it's it's um, it's a REIT that you know still pays close to six percent. A couple of the um, utilities um, have had very strong track records of increasing dividends. They don't look as attractive today as the preferreds or as the REITs, but you still get you have an income component that also acts as a cushion on the downside. So I think more upside on the utility, you know, on utilities. Um, Interesting conversations with the CEOs and talking about clean energy versus 
you know, sourcing natural uh, sourcing of natural gas versus clean energy, and how they can pass costs along to their consumers. And it really totally depends on where you are. Um, places like Portland, Portland General, um, the people in Portland, Oregon, tend to be very um, environmentally conscious, so they're willing to pay a little more if they know that their electricity is coming from other sort, you know, the, from a, a clean energy source. Whereas people in other parts of the state, like Black Hills and South Dakota, really um, is still going to kind of, I mean, they're moving in that direction as well, but they're moving slower, and I think they're moving at a more controlled pace because they, you know, they want to keep costs down. The cost of moving into clean energy is very high, just as we all know the cost of buying electric vehicles is very high. We aren't there yet, so there has to be a, we're in a transition period, but we're not there yet, so I think we need more understanding or people need to understand that you don't make this change that rapidly and I guess the point I'm making is that if you're looking at investing in clean energy you can do it through utility um, I would not just go out there and do a pure play um, it would be like doing a pure play in cannabis I just think it's a management teams don't have that those management teams don't have the kind of track record that a utility has for example or a natural gas company yeah so, the, uh, I think you also have the with the you know like the, the cannabis companies and stuff, you, the, the the states. Let's put it this way: yes. the, the the utility companies got their head up there behind the state pretty well. They're going to be treated pretty well. They've they've paid people off for a long time. But the cannabis companies, they're looked at as a revenue source, and who knows what they're going to do to taxes of those guys if they start thinking they're making too much money. I've stayed away from that whole sector pretty much from the beginning. I did a um, I have a couple clients in Colorado, and I did a. Uh, like a weekly research tour there, and I had met a bunch of these um, uh, companies at a conference in New York, and there was one that I really, um, sort of my top pick, if you will, ended up um, going out of business. And part of the reason is is the regulatory issues, as you mentioned, in, in each state. Um, it's also, you know, pay cash. But it's yeah. also, frankly, I guess some of the issues that they have is that it's actually cheaper to buy it on the street. And depending on which state you live in, um, you can, you know, you it's going to be hard. They're going to be capped. Their um, uh, pricing is going to be capped at a certain degree. So the new industry is sort of what I'm trying to get at, but the same with clean energy. New industry, there's a lot of bumps in the road. There's a lot of regulation that impacts these industries. Um, and it's still, I think, I would say it's still sort of unfounded. We don't really have a, um, a clear story there. So um, the other places that I would also say, to, you know, we're talking about good new ideas, but I'm also talking about where to avoid be very careful in Europe and Asia right now. There's a lot of things going on, the obvious geopolitical risks, um, you know, the tariffs, the COVID and all that in Asia. But I would be very careful because the information flow has really changed. There, you know, European uh, companies were generally fairly um, good with providing information um, to investors. Um, I'm, I'm finding just in our experience that we're not getting the same uh, level of in, you know information that we had in the past. I also am more concerned, especially on the energy side there, and inflation. And, and you know, having done a little bit of a tour when I was in Boston, spending time with an old friend who's a um, international growth um, equity portfolio manager, and just getting a different perspective. He's all in cash. He's moved his personal account to all cash, so he's uh, he's avoiding Europe and Asia right now. Basically, you know, he's not investing overseas. And although there might look like there's some good ideas coming up. We're a fundamental, you know, we manage money in a fundamental basis. We want to be able to be able to talk to management. You know, it's always been tough 
um, in Asia and in particular in China. So I would just say if somebody's out there that is looking for, you know, a good investment with some upside, I'd stay here in the U.S. And what, uh, what, what do you hear, if anything, because I've, it's been quiet as a church and, uh, regarding with all this stuff, really the last four and a half years of us fighting back and forth with China to varying degrees and, what is the status of these massive amounts of money that are in dollar-denominated Chinese debt? Are they, are they just paying away and no, no problem, or are we just not hearing that they're not paying? Or what's going on? Do you have any idea? I think more of the latter. I think that we're not hearing the details, and it's always been difficult to get information, um, whether it be, uh, you know, it's usually not good news when, when you're not, I mean, to me that's a big red flag when you're not allowed to get information. I think they've probably been paying them. I think it's a situational thing, depending on which... Um, you know who the issuer is, um, but the you know the it's we're, we're we're moving things are changing and moving very quickly, and I don't know how much this lag in production and lag in um, you know sort of getting back uh, China getting China's economy getting back to normal is happening. As a result, I would just you know my advice would be to stay clear. I haven't said that all along, but right now I, I think it's a tough time. It's a tough time in the U.S., but. I think we can get a better grasp on what's going on here, and we certainly have much better information. Well, one thing that did, the 2008 here. fiasco kind of, well, taught me was that you never can put your finger, actually living, you know, through the long-term capital thing, too. You yeah. can, I mean, guys at, at our level, I think you can make a better stab at this than me, but certainly a guy at my level, as much as I can suspect because of my economic background that there's there's a hole in the system somewhere, I can never actually figure out where the hole is. You know, I mean, it's like, I mean, if, if Russia decides, if we decide we're not going to let the, the Russian payment come through the system so nobody can write the check, nobody can get paid. I know that that, depending on the person, I, I've, I have a feeling that if the recipient of the check was Goldman or BlackRock, they'll find a way to get the check here. But is there some bank somewhere that they're not going to get the check and it's going to go under and take three other places with them. But I was stunned in 2008 how some of the people who got buried on these mortgages were some, like, regional German bank that you never even heard of. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, there's when, when you sense there's a problem, going from there to figure out who's the problem with and is that person, I'll use the term, significant, obviously, to them and their shareholders and their families, but is it significant to the system or not? I don't I just... I mean, I, I, I get more and more concerned about this lack of information that's around, Dan. And I, I, you know, we're never going to get it. I think it's getting worse, but I don't know what I can yes. do about it. By the way, hey, uh, before I forget, what are baby bonds? Oh, baby bonds are, uh, so think of a bond having a, you know, the denomina- they come in denominations of $1,000. So one bond is $1,000. If the price of that bond is five, you, you pay $5,000. Um, baby bonds are basically like uh, fractional stock, you know, fractional stocks like what what Robinhood is selling in stock. Okay, okay. Right. They're smaller portions of they're less than a thousand dollars. The smaller portions of bonds, and they're generally used. Well, in the past, they've been used as savings bonds, but they're not not that's that's not the use that they have today. But it's an opportunity for somebody to participate in a bond um, offering without having to pay. For example, five thousand. If if it was a five dollar, um, you know, if the you know the, the price is is a thousand, the price per bond is a thousand, um, and then you have to multiply that by the um, the you know number of bonds or whatever that you buy. And so it's uh, yeah. So it's I would say um, you know they're used. I think that they were set up for people originally that were less 
you know, lower income, and they're, uh, it just gives people an opportunity to participate. You know, for example, buying, you know, rather than a thousand, buying a hundred. You know, the the denomination being in, in hundred or two hundred or three hundred. So it breaks it down. Now you're probably going to pay a premium for that to get those bonds, but um, it's uh, just an opportunity to have exposure. Okay. If you have a smaller. Hey, you know, one thing that when when you went out a couple times, you and I were uh, we talked about the the big balloon and the uh, the cash families had when all these the PPI checks and all the other stuff went out. Yes. And I was I was mentioning to you that, and I hope you don't ever see this page U.S. Debt Clock because if you do, you become addicted and it's not good. Uh, it's ever this this number was like nine thousand saving per family in like two thousand and twelve. And it kind of sunk down a little bit. Well, at the height of the, the government throwing money out, because obviously a lot of people, a lot of businesses, they got the money. This is a straight average of cash and people's savings accounts, basically. So it's it's not you know it's not the world's best statistic, but the movement is this no this move this number got to fifty five thousand last year when everybody. Wow. Everybody, you know, nine to fifty-five. Yeah, because people were staying home and they were collecting checks. Well, not only that, some some of the PPPs went to like went to like a you know might be a a local refuse company. They got like a half a million dollar check. Well, went right in the guy's you know it's his company, so went in his savings account, right? So, so it it was a balloon. I'm sure it was a crossover there from business to whatever. But anyway, it is it has been dropping precipitously per week since then. And it just ducked under thirteen thousand. We're down to twelve seven. It was thirteen two, I think, two or three weeks ago when you guys, you and I, were first talking about it. It's a dramatic drop. And and you were mentioning the inflation earlier, and you were doing a very nice job about it. But I, there's a number here that I that is, that is pretty sobering. And if you go back to two thousand, the GDP was nine point six trillion. Now it's twenty three point five. So let's say it's up two point five percent. No, two hundred fifty percent. The money supply now is twenty two M two is twenty two trillion. In 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 two thousand it was four point seven, call it five. Wow. So we've gone yeah. up two and a half times in GDP and we've gone up five times, five and a half times in money supply. So how much of the, the current GDP is nothing but inflated stuff? A lot I'd of I'd say it. some of I yeah, I would say a big amount of it is. Absolutely. Inflated, um, home prices, inflated, you know, that there, there were other things before gas and food, you know, that we, we had, as we've talked before, that we've been in the latter part of, of the cycle. And generally you start see, seeing, for example, momentum stocks rise, you see wages rise, and those are signs that you're, you know, that you're approaching that, that sort of final leg or that final stage in the business cycle. And we're not, we weren't quite there yet before COVID hit. We're definitely there now. And we've actually, I think we've kind of turned the corner. I think your statistics are actually really good ones. The, the one on the personal, you know, the cash, uh, the average cash, I think that's a really great, that tells a big story about some of the things that, that we're concerned about in terms of, you know, consumer spending and, and, you know, how quickly that number has gone down. And I really wish that the people who were speaking, you know, the administration and the, and the people who are speaking and saying that the consumer, you know, the the consumer is still doing well and that their balance sheet is still strong and all that. Well, I agree with you. It's not necessarily the case, and it's no. changing very quickly. Have you and ever once that money is spent? It's gonna there's going to be some tough times when when they don't have the budget to afford the you know the um, 
either the lifestyle they've gotten used to or even just frankly the your living expenses. Yeah, have you I ever totally agree. have you ever seen and this is kind of a real holistic sort of look at things. So we've had some interesting guests this week as we always do. And everybody and plus you know, I ran one of my Fed buddies last night for the first time in like two and a half years, but every story you hear, it's 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 like incredible. I've never I, mean, I, I went through, you know, the, the early interest rate stuff. I went through the, you know, the Arab oil embargo when I was in college and all that kind of stuff. And there, there always, there's always a problem. You know, there's always something, these little shacks, and we always work our way out of it because we, after all, our America, and we do have a pretty strong economy and strong people and all that other good stuff. I have never seen, I haven't even read about anything basically as bleeped up as it is now in terms of, uh, the ladies we had on Monday, uh, Audrey and, and Nancy, were talking about the prices of homes and the, the starter home versus how much it would cost to build the starter home today and the right. price of the wood and the plasterboard and how you can't have $10,000 worth of plasterboard in a $200,000 house. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean it, none of, none of, nothing you look at adds up. It, right. and, and anywhere you look, I've, I've never seen this before. I've never even read about it before. You know, you can blame some on the China tariffs. You can blame some on people not wanting to get started here because you're breaking into cartels. Or, I mean, there's a bazillion reasons, but I've never seen stuff just not match up. Where you look at it and say, "This can't be going to be like this two years from now." There's, there's got to be adjustments all over the place, everywhere, not just one or two spots. I've never seen anything that's this kind of chaos that I'm seeing now. I mean, or am I just, am I just seeing more of going goofy? Yeah, I mean, I, no, no, I, I'm seeing the same thing, but but I think the reason that we're saying this has a lot to do with uh, COVID and has a lot to do with the changes, the real, you know, fundamental changes to, um, you know, a number of different issues, productivity, um, you know, employment, labor, um, you know, and I think really a shift in attitude that a lot of people, you know, sort of become prevalent. Um, so I would... I say that, you know, COVID has kind of changed that. And then also, as we've spoken before, one of the greatest mismatches is labor right now, just having, um, you know, lots of jobs open and, and not enough people. And, um, yet other companies are starting to lay off. Same thing with, as you're mentioning, cost of materials, you know, whether you're going to build a house or, or, you know, all of that is rapidly changing. And we're going to be in a very different world six months from now. Things are going to look quite different than they do today. This isn't going to be, this isn't one of those years that we can say things are going to look the same. This is one of those years where things are moving quickly. So inflation is, you know, obviously a major issue. The rate of inflation or the rate of acceleration in inflation may slow down, but I don't think we're going to start seeing things turn over other than your local gas station dropping the price one or two pennies. Um, But the, I think really what we're going to see is is more of the same. I think the, the wage part is still going to be an issue, and the passing along of costs to the consumer is still going to be an issue. And the, the um, I think there has to be a somewhat of a shift in sentiment to get us back. Well, if you get a, we, a rent a rent increase number over a year, which it really is. I mean, in the in the CPI they got it at four point eight percent. The number is really somewhere between ten and twenty two, depending on your area. So what are we going to do with people on Social Security where rent is probably half of their thing? Are we going to give them a 2% raise or are we going to give them a 20% raise? If we give them a 20% raise, how the hell are we going to afford that? Yet we almost have to do it. We're all going to be on the street. Yep. It's a huge problem here in Florida because we have a lot of people on fixed incomes. And a lot of people had moved here either pre-COVID or during COVID because, at least in my part of the state, you know, rents, for example, was still very reasonable. 
people came down to rent, and then they thought, okay, we'll look around to buy a property, and now they're stuck with um, property values going up so much. But what they're also stuck with is rents, because here I want to say they've gone up 75% on average. Wow. I mean, it's been huge increases because of the lack of inventory with rentals. And uh, that that's a big factor. The 4.8 that you mentioned, I, I don't think that's an accurate indication. You I mean, think? You think? <laughs> there might be some place in the country where that's happening, but I think the averages are going to be, like you say, close to 20. I, I'm thinking maybe in an Intuit village in Alaska or someplace. <laughs> take, yeah. Dan, take care of yourself. Good yeah. stuff. Thanks for hanging for the hour. Have a nice weekend. By the way, we're off you Monday. Too. We're off Monday, right? We get the, That's right. Uh, we get the, what is it, the 10th day? Oh, or Juneteenth, yep. Juneteenth day. Uh, SP Futures down 76, Nasdaq Futures down 271. We'll see if this improves. Back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.